Pizza City is brought to you by Pizza Master Ovens. You love the sound of dough being transformed into crust. But what about the dough in your pocket? If you make pizzas for a living, then you know a fully loaded oven affects heat recovery time and makes everything take longer. That affects your bottom line. Say hello to Pizza Master, the most powerful electric oven on the market. It has clay ceramic hearthstones. That means crispy crust every time. And talk about precision. You can adjust both the top and bottom heating elements to make any style of pizza, which is what Pauly G's Logan Square owner Derek Tung was looking for when deciding to add Detroit-style pizzas to his existing menu of wood-fired pies. We started using the Pizza Masters for our Detroit-inspired Logan Squares. And, you know, really, it's all about the control. It's one of those ovens where you have the ability to control what the temperature's at, but not only that, how much heat is on the top deck, how much heat's on the bottom deck, how often they're firing. Um, it really allows you to do almost any style you want in the oven and just tweak it by small amounts. Plus the ability to get up to 932 degrees combined with exceptional recovery heat allows for high capacity output during peak times. That's money in your pocket. Pizza Master offers 85 different models and thousands of combinations. They've also got demo kitchens all over the country, so go take one for a test drive. Visit mpmfoodequipment.com and use the promo code PIZZACITY to get a free swag bag at your demo. That's mpmfoodequipment.com and request your test bake or demo today. So she would uh, get baked bread in these pans. They found them at the hardware store. So I believe my dad uh, decided to try to make some dough in the pizza pans that Grandma used to make her bread with. What do you do if your dad and grandmother were the rightful creators of Detroit-style pizza, but somehow, along the way, that was lost in the narrative? For Marie Guerra Easterby, it's been a challenge, to say the least. The daughter of the guy widely acknowledged to have created Detroit-style pizza is telling her side of the story today as we begin a closer look at the history behind the style of pizza that is now seemingly sweeping the nation. The story of the Cloverleaf Bar, straight ahead. I need a deep-dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Belinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another edition of Pizza City. Apologies for the out-of-order release uh, last week. Two weeks ago, the book came out, Ultimate Chicago Pizza Guide. I was also a guest on What's Good Dough podcast. Um, and I just, we had some issues with our platform. Anyway, uh, last week's show uh, came out last week. And then we are back on track this week with a new show. And we are in Detroit this week. I went to Detroit because I wanted to shoot some video for the second episode of our Pizza City web series, we also released episode one of that two weeks ago. That's online currently on our YouTube channel. It's either Pizza City, uh, Pizza City USA, or Steve Delinsky, and you can watch that. Uh, but we also want to do Detroit. So while I was in Detroit, I talked to a couple of the pillars there. Uh, now, we had had buddies on a show, I believe it was episode four, back in February of 2019. So you can look that up. We talked to Wes Pakula, who's been at that company for decades. And uh, Buddies is where it all started. 
um, in the 40s. And um, then the, the guy who was there, Gus Guerra, had left several years later, about seven years later, and went to East Detroit and opened up, well, basically bought the Cloverleaf Bar and uh, kept the name, brought his pizza there. But this is where things get a little cloudy because, um, and you'll hear this from uh, Gus's daughter, Marie, today, uh, they had entered, well, they wanted to enter a big pizza competition that the Detroit Free Press was doing, uh, I want to say in the 80s maybe, um, maybe even earlier, and they weren't allowed to because they weren't technically in the city of Detroit. And she said a lot of people after that competition just sort of assumed it was buddies all the way and didn't really take Gus Guerra's name into consideration when it when it came to sort of the creator of Detroit-style pizza. And so then you have, you know, stories about this guy, Louis Tortois, who worked there at Buddy's, went to work at Shields, and then he opened up his own place, Louis. That show is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, and then you've got the story of the Cloverleaf, which also had some, some satellites doing carryout and delivery. And then one of those satellites... Uh, was where Sean Rondazzo, Rondazzo and his wife were working and his mom, and that became the Detroit-style pizza company. Uh, so there are all these different uh, sort of branches that have come off the original tree, which is Buddy's and Cloverleaf. And so today we're talking to Marie Guerra Easterby. She's the daughter of Gus Guerra. And she's um, as surprised as anybody that the Detroit style had sort of swept not just the country, but North America. I mean, you've got Via 313 in Austin. You've got Square Pie Guys in San Francisco. Descendant in Toronto has amazing Detroit style pizza, and that's only a four-hour drive. Um, and, of course, Emmy Squared, which started in Williamsburg uh, and then Manhattan, and now they're in Nashville and Louisville, and, and they're going to be all over the place. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them in Chicago. But uh, Marie Guerra Easterby talked about the construction on today's show. And i got to tell you, after I listened to this show, I realized I didn't ask her this crucial question. I kind of glossed over. Um, it's important when you're talking about the original Detroit-style pizza, how that pepperoni is placed and when. And the old-school pepperoni would go right on the dough, the raw dough, and then be covered by cheese and then the sauce at the end. Now, when I saw them build this at Cloverleaf Bar... When I was out there, they didn't do it that way. They put the pepperoni on top, and I had to follow up with her afterward because I'd seen this uh, application process at uh, at Buddy's and at Detroit Style Pizza Company. And she said, well, they used to do it that way, and her dad did it that way. But then customers complained, oh, you forgot the pepperoni. I don't see the pepperoni on the pizza. And they'd have to show it to them underneath a layer of cheese. And so eventually they just started putting the pepperoni on top of the cheese to placate them and to st- stop having to answer questions about it. But... When you do that, you are kind of flying in the face of of Detroit tradition, which is pepperoni on the dough covered by cheese. So this is how deep things go in Detroit, you know, where they are, I would say, splitting hairs. But this is um, the discussions people have in Detroit of of where the pepperoni goes and when it's placed. So um, anyway, long story short, uh, we started off our interview today by asking Marie about her first pizza memory. memory was probably at St. Anne's school. On Fridays there was the pizza with uh, just cheese. That's my memory and as far as my family's pizza recipe, um, they they never brought pizza home per se. They would bring the dough home and my grandma would fry it up in olive oil and we'd call it panna frito and they'd sprinkle sugar on it. So that was my cleverly pizza dough memory. 
Okay, so that to me is more interesting than what you had at the at the school in the cafeteria because that probably was a standard piece of pizza. But tell me more about Grandma's pizza. It was good. It was thick um, because they sprinkled sugar on it. It was sweet, and us kids like that. She would fry raw dough in olive oil? Exactly. So and your bottom would be really crispy. Yeah, and she'd flip it over, do the other side, and then she'd get a little bag, put some sugar in it, shake it up, and... That would be our treat. Grandma really was instrumental in the creation of what we call Detroit-style pizza today. Everybody talks about it coming from Buddy's in 1946, uh, but you've got a bit more of the backstory. Fill me in there. Well, um, when Dad had Buddy's in... And Dad, by the way, is Gus Guerra. Right. When Dad had Buddy's in 1944, I, he just had my brother in the mid-40s, and, you know, he wanted more more children, and so... Grandma said, you know, with two other partners, it's not enough money to make a go of, you know, taking care of your family. Why don't you add some food? So Grandma made something called spinjuni, and they were like in cookie sheets. And it was like a like her own version of a pizza. And by the way, she was from Sicily? Yeah, she was Sicilian. And what was her name? Uh, her name was Crucifisa Pasalacqua. One of the greatest names ever. Yeah, they called her... Um, Cecilia, her American name, or Cecilia. So she would uh, get baked bread in these pans. They found them at the hardware store. So I believe my dad uh, decided to try to make some dough in the pizza pans that Grandma used to make her bread with. Like they'd make a dough in the morning, and then just uh, would they put any uh, oil or fat in the pan first, and then just put the dough in there? I think they would probably put about a teaspoon of oil in a pan, maybe a little bit less. I mean, do you know if they were doing like stretch and folds to sort of build the gluten strength as they were, you know, or they would just make the dough and put it in the pan? They'd just make the dough okay. simple, <laughs> put it in the pan, yeah. Okay, and then it would rest for a couple hours? I see. These are one of the questions I wish I would have asked, but I know that we let it rest here probably about 20 minutes, half hour or so. Maybe she did the same thing back then, I'm not sure. Okay, and then she would top it. How would she top it? She would top it with, with cheese, and then if they had some... When you salami, say cheese, what, can you be more specific? Uh, like a mozzarella cheese, I believe. Like shredded or sliced? Uh, uh, I think they'd chop it up. I'm not positive, but uh, because the way my dad started the pizza and he did chop it up, I'm sure he was you know, doing it in the same model that my grandma did it. Was he initially using just mozzarella or mozzarella and brick or just brick? Because I've heard brick is kind of the thing to have in Detroit. He was probably just using mozzarella, um, but I think after a while he decided to um, make a blend. Okay. I'm not sure of the year. Okay. Um, and so, so the cheese went on first, and it went into the edges of the, the where the pizza kind of meets the pan. Right, all the way to the edges. That was very important. And then you could put other toppings on it. And typically, what would they do? Would they go topping and then sauce, or sauce and then topping? Uh, they would put the sauce on last all the time. And just what I saw here in the kitchen, the clover leaf, just kind of a little, uh, almost like a drizzle or a, a, a little, uh, I don't know, a, a dollop. Yes. Um, my dad always said to think of um, the pizza as eight little sandwiches for a large, and you just put a, a dollop, a spoonful on every sandwich piece, and then a dribble down the middle. But it wasn't supposed to be like a line, like these racing stripes. No, not at all. 
Okay, because yeah. I always thought, oh, you know, it's what you see on Instagram these days. Right. Uh, and then you bake it in a, like a stand, it looks like a blodget oven with a stone deck. Right, right. Um, a deck oven, we call them. Uh, those are much better than the uh, conveyor ovens. Let's go back to 1944. He's op- he opened this bar, gets some advice from the relatives or his parents. You know, you need to do something besides whiskey and shots. So he adds the pizza. They're doing pizza now in 46, they start? Yes. Uh, 1946 was when he pulled the first pizza out. I heard it might be around December. Uh, that's what... Any idea what... what any idea what the reaction was back then? Were people used to getting pizzas in bars, and, and were they thick or thin? Uh, from what I heard, there was a, a place in Detroit called Vesuvio's that had round pizzas. Dad had the first place that had a square pizza. It was really rectangular, but a square and a, uh, a, a oblong-shaped pan like that. And it was new to everybody, and they really liked it. And unique to have that caramelized, that sort of burnt edge, that frico around the perimeter, did that really set them apart? I believe so. That gave the crunch to it they, and the, the airiness of the rest of the crust. Um, the, the cheese just helped, um, you know, that put that separation from the pan that made it caramelize in those corners that people really care for. Okay, help me understand then this chronology. So, 46, they start doing Pizza at Buddy's, and this is in Hamtramck, just kind of on the edge of the city. Uh, But he sells the business about seven years later in 53. Right. He sold it in 1953 to his two buddies, uh, Big Jimmy and Little Jimmy. And he, one of them, it was uh, Little Jimmy Valenti, had a niece that was engaged to a Frenchman, and that young man needed a job. And my dad taught this young man his pizza recipe, and that man was Louis. And Louis worked for Buddies for quite a while, and he did end up one day opening up his own place in Hazel Park. Called Louis. Yes, yes, you're right. And when he sold this, I'm guessing there wasn't really an attorney involved with intellectual property or non-compete clauses where they didn't say, okay, you can, you can open up another pizza place if you want to doing the same style of pizza, because that's what he ended up doing that year. Yeah, but um, he did have an agreement with them, believe it or not, probably a handshake that said um, you cannot open another pizza place, Gus, within two miles of Buddies. Okay, so he went to East Point? Is that where we are? It was East Detroit at the time. Uh, they recently changed the name maybe 10, 15 years ago to East Point. But he came to East Detroit, and the reason why he picked Cloverleaf Bar was it was for sale. It was available. Oh, it was already called the Cloverleaf. Yeah, Cloverleaf Bar. Two words. Yep. All right, so he, he kept it. And um, did he have to do any work to it or just put it in a pizza oven? Well, it probably needed a lot of work, but he didn't have a lot of money. So uh, I don't know if the oven was already there. Uh, but in 53, he starts making these pizzas that he had been doing for the last seven years. Yeah. And so now suddenly there are two places in the Detroit area, Cloverleaf and Buddy's doing this style. Mm-hmm. Later, there's Louie's, as you just mentioned. Yeah. How does Shields come into the picture? Well, from what I have heard, uh, let's say Louie had worked over at Buddy's. And when they sold it to the Jacobs family, I'm not sure the year, uh, they let him go. So Louie still wanted to make pizza so he went to this bar called Shields over on Davison in Detroit and he asked uh, the owner there I believe his name was Dino Moretis if he could rent his kitchen 
So he did rent the kitchen, and they started to get a really nice following from what I heard back then. Were the people doing all the pizzas back then? Because it seems like they were all north or east of Detroit. You know, is it Hazel Crest? Uh, Hazel Park, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Chicago. Hazel Park, um, St. Clair Shores. Uh, we're in East Point, which was East Detroit. Was there a concentration of Sicilians up here already? Because they all kind of launched up here. There was a lot of Italians and Irish. Um, Irish, Dad didn't change the name of Cloverleaf because of the Irish people here. He wanted to keep the goodwill. Otherwise, he would have called it Gus's, maybe. Is it, um, is it rewarding or frustrating or maybe a combination to see not just in Detroit, but all over the country now, people sort of embracing this style of pizza. You know, it, it's kind of cool. I, I always say that, you know, Detroit is known for the cars, for Werner's Ginger Ale, Coney Island, Motown, and now I'm really happy to say that my dad started the Detroit-style pizza. That was his contribution, and we're happy to carry it on. Why do you think it's taken so long to get popular? 75 years now, and it's suddenly the last five years, I keep thinking of Emmy Squared in New York as kind of putting it on the map in, in other cities around the country. So you know, why do you think it's taken so long? And then B, why do you think people like it so much? Oh, gosh, it just tastes so good. I, I still love it, and I eat it, I swear, two, three times a week. A lifetime Weight Watcher member here, but I think they like it because it just, it's, it's got a great taste. Whenever families come here, they bring their relatives from out of town, and I always hear we can't get a Detroit, Detroit pizza over in Florida. We can't get one in Ohio, and uh, when there was an opportunity, you know, to get a franchise or something close to that, a couple entrepreneurs hopped on it. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue talking with Marie here at Cloverleaf, uh, which uh, would many argue is the birthplace because of her father, Gus Guerra, who started this whole pizza trend, which really goes back to his mother, right? Your grandmother. We're going to keep talking with her after the short break. Stay with us. Whether you run one pizza joint or several, you order a ton of cheese. Why not get a little something in return? Baccio Cheese has a Gold Club Rewards program that literally gives you cash back for every pound of cheese you buy. No tricks or gimmicks. They send you a credit card loaded with cash every month so you can buy whatever you want. Dinner for your family, maybe a gift for an employee, no strings attached. The more cheese you buy, the higher the rate of reimbursement. There are three tiers for rewards, gold, platinum, and for you big-time cheeseheads, diamond level. Here's another bonus. Gold Club members get funds twice a year to use in Baccio's marketing store to use for things like custom printing menus, pizza box stickers, things you'll actually use. You'll also get marketing support for social media, email, and your website so you can stop asking your cousin to help fill in and get back to the dough sheeter. New members get a Baccio pizza peel, which I continue using for both my pan and hearth-baked pies in my home oven. See which rewards tier you qualify for by visiting BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA and enroll today. And welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Marie Guerra. Easterby. Easterby. I forgot the last name there. Um, and uh, we're looking at a couple of the pizzas here that we just made for us. Let's talk about how these were constructed. You've got guys in the kitchen. that they're Not their first rodeo. They've been here for a while, I can tell. Um, two types of pepperoni. I'd never seen that before. Explain that story. Well, I guess years ago, Dad had this small, old-fashioned pepperoni that curls up and holds a little grease. And 
I don't know, I think everybody likes a little Italian sausage, greasy food that people like that little grease that that, that little cup holds. And then we stopped using those. I don't know if Dad couldn't get it for a while or what, so he got the, the traditional ones. It's wider and it stays pretty flat on the pan. And then when this was available to us again, you know, my brother jumped on it and I agreed and we like the old-fashioned pepperoni quite a bit. Because of that natural casing, right, it curls up and it gives you that little, it gives you that little cup and char as we talked about, but you just called it an old-fashioned here. Yes, yes, it's nice and simple, old-fashioned pepperoni. Okay, and then what else, what are the other, some of the other ways you'd get a Detroit people, pizza here? Uh, you can get it with, we used, my folks used to call it a deluxe pizza, cheese, pepperoni, and mushroom. That was really popular, but now we have about nine, eight or nine specialties. We have a BLT pizza, we have a Hawaiian uh, we have a Supreme, which has a variety of items. And when you say cheese, now I was under the impression that it was always brick cheese from Wisconsin, which by the way gets its name, uh, the curds are pressed between bricks to push out any extra whey, um, which would make it like a drier cheese, but you combine brick and mozzarella. Yes, yes, my dad always liked the combination of both after he had an opportunity to sample stuff, and he decided to do a blend. So that's what we do. What about the sort of one of the things I've noticed about this pizza? The undercarriage. So when you're looking underneath the pizza, um, slightly crisp, a little bit of air pockets, little air holes in there. Uh, but because you're baking on the the deck here, that gives you a unique bottom as opposed to a conveyor belt, which I've also seen a lot of people use. I agree. The the stone on, on the bottom of the pizza oven just really helps cook it um, completely, uh, thoroughly. Always a rectangular, looks like a 10 by 14 pan, not a square. Right, okay. yeah. And you're baking at about 550 for about 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah, maybe 12 to 15 minutes, something like that. But we prefer those deck ovens over the conveyor ovens. Okay. Listen, last question we ask all of our guests before we let them go. Um, knowing what you know now about pizza, which is a lifetime, what would you have told your younger self, I guess, before you got into this, before you, I know there were other clover leaves that you were, that business family was involved in, you're sold those off now, but what would you have told your younger self about kind of being successful in, in the pizza game? Because it, there's, there's competition these days, that you're not the only one in town. Yeah. Well, I think I would have asked my folks more questions, my grandma more questions, like, why did you choose this? Why, why is this better than that? Some things that I didn't do, maybe my brothers did, but you would have to ask one of them. Uh, the other one passed away, my brother Frank. Uh, another thing I would ask myself is, why didn't I get a PR firm to help promote us better? Because we were a family business. We didn't know about these things. We recently did a promotion with a PR firm called Who's Gus? And that was great because a lot of people don't know who Gus is. And, you know, if we would have done that in the 1970s when we were not allowed to enter that pizza contest the Detroit News had because we did not have the cloverleaf in the city limits of Detroit, we lost out. We felt we were left out, you know, and we, I don't know, kind of shunned. And uh, like I told you earlier, a lot of people didn't believe that my dad started the Pizza Buddies. So I think a PR firm would have been in order if I was a little smarter, if my folks were a little smarter. But from a little family business, you learn these things over the years. But another thing I like to say is um, 
how it's caught on so fast. It seems like the last couple years there's square pizza places popping up all over. I laugh and I call this is this is our a 75-year overnight success story. And when you're in Detroit, you must come to Cloverleaf to, to taste the original. Marie, thanks so much for your time today. Thank Congratulations you. on 75 years, Thank too. It's just what an accomplishment. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you. All right, coming up in two weeks, we are staying in Detroit as we talk to the grandson of Louis Tortois, former cook at Buddies and Shields, and founder of Louis in Hazel Park. My grandfather was the most radical traditionalist you could find. For the longest time, we barely had any toppings for the pizza because my grandfather felt traditional would be cheese and pepperoni. Maybe on we would have mushrooms and that, that would be it. We started doing more toppings. I would say in the mid-80s, people would bring in little Ziploc baggies of diced up vegetables and ask us to put it on their pizza and then eventually my grandpa said you know what we're just gonna start supplying toppings because so many people wanted it. At Louis, they firmly believe in a more complete red topped pie. That's in two weeks on November 12th. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell a friend and rate us. We'd love to know what you think about the show. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram and our website is PizzaCityUSA.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and here is wishing you an optimal bite ratio always.